Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sports Desk Podcast. I'm your host, Parker Ballantyne, and I really appreciate you tuning in to the Monday morning edition of the show. Utah State had an unbelievably good week last week. Uh, when all is said and done, uh, from start to finish, it was an excellent week, um, despite dropping a game in football. So I know everyone kind of wants to focus on the negative. Um, and yeah, it was it was a tough loss in, in football. But with everything else going on from volleyball to basketball, it was a really, really good week. Um, and we're going to talk about all of that. Um, let's start with the good, and then we'll move into the bad. Volleyball beat Colorado State to clinch the Mountain West title. Um, Utah State Volleyball are your Mountain West champs. Huge accomplishment for that team. Huge accomplishment for first-year head coach Rob Nielsen. Um, such a good year for, for the volleyball team. Um, so super proud of them and the work that they've put in. Really, really awesome. Uh, they clinched it at home in the Estes Center, beating Colorado State. Um that was kind of the the race to the top with with Colorado State and, and us, um, and Utah State gets gets the win. And like I said, Utah State volleyball, your Mountain West champions, um, huge game for them in the Estes, um, and hopefully a sign of things to come in volleyball. Certainly on an upward trajectory, as is soccer. Definitely on an upward trajectory. Um, so huge, huge accomplishments. Um, in in both in both of those sports with first year head coaches, um, but particularly volleyball and Rob Nielsen actually in his second year uh, I, I made the mistake of saying these in his first year I make that mistake all the time because he started last year actually with Kayla Ard um, they were first year head coaches together um, but like we've talked about on the show COVID just tore that season apart made it terrible and and as we know so second year head coach Rob Nielsen. Manny Martins, indeed, in his first year, along with Coach Odom, Blake Anderson. Lots of new faces around here um, in in terms of coaching staffs. Um, but yeah, Rob Nelson, second year as a head coach. Unbelievable accomplishment for him and the volleyball team. So congratulations to the volleyball team. Way to go. Go Aggies. Um, moving right along to some more good news. Utah State basketball. Uh, another first-year head coach, Ryan Odom, taking care of business in the Myrtle Beach Invitational in a big, big, big way. In three games in four days, huge setting. We've talked about it on the show. In terms of games you can play in November, the stakes don't get higher than playing a tournament setting, three games in four days, playing against Power 5 teams, Big 12 teams, um, and Utah State came to play. They showed out, and I mean, they, they looked like a tournament team. They looked like a completely different team that dropped that game against UC Davis. Um, nothing's going to erase that that loss to the UC Davis Aggies game one at home. Um, but the four games that we've played since then um, are definitely going to help us overlook that game because Utah State is playing really, really good ball right now. Let's jump into what happened. We got three games. Um, we got three games to cover in that time. Um, and like I said, it was a tournament setting, so really big time plays, big time, big time games. So uh, we will dive into that, take a look at some of the numbers and what happened in those three games. Game one was against Penn, game two against New Mexico State. Um, we are very familiar with New Mexico State Aggies, particularly in basketball. We played them a lot, um, particularly for us old timers that remember the, the good old days when we were in the whack. We played a lot against those guys. 
and then game three against OU, the Oklahoma Sooners, in the championship game in Myrtle Beach. So let's take a look. We'll just run through these games one by one. We'll start with Penn. We'll go into the semifinal round against New Mexico State. We'll get into the finals against OU. And then we'll uh, we'll talk about the whole tournament, what it means. Um, Jacob and I have discussed it on the show. Really high stakes and uh, games that should be relevant when we get to March on Selection Sunday. So um, game one against Penn, double overtime thriller. It was a heart attack of a game. Utah State in football and basketball have been doing this thing all year long where they win games, but they... They really, really test your patience on the way there. My heart can't take much more of these these games the way they're going in football and basketball, to be honest with you. But it was such a fun game to be watching. Um, it was one of those games that had it been at home, it would have been just an absolute blast to be at. Um, wasn't at home. It was a neutral court, um, which is which is fine. That's the point. Um, but it was it was one of those games where the team really had to bring the energy, and they really did. I mean, it was it was a high energy game double overtime, everybody contributing. But the man of the hour certainly was Justin Bean. Justin Bean scored a career high, coming off a career high against Richmond, mind you, the game before. Scores another career high, tops his 30-piece, and goes out there and scores 33. It was a double overtime game, so, you know, take that as you will. But 33 points in a game, regardless is impressive they could play 10 overtimes and scoring 33 is impressive so good on justin bean but he didn't just score he did just about everything else too he recorded which was at the time his i think 28th triple double he has then of course recorded two more he's now at 30 um he has recorded triple double in each game so far this year uh, the dude's a triple-double machine. Against Penn, he had his 33 points, which was a game high and, of course, a career high. He also had to go with it. 16 rebounds and went 5 of 5 from the free throw line. Um, so Justin Bean was unbelievable that game. He hit two three-pointers on three attempts. So uh, his shooting is really coming around. I know that was a question mark uh, last season that we kind of overlooked because the offense came from the offensive production came from other places. But uh, Justin Bean coming around on offense, um, the the talking points around the team and in the media have just been that he has spent so much time in the gym in the offseason working on his shot, working on his stroke. And I know we're only a few games in, but you can tell. I mean, the dude is shooting <laughs> lights out, to be honest with you. I mean, I know we have a small sample size, but he is shooting really, really well, uh, scoring at a high rate. His usage rate is higher than it's ever been in his career. And he's stepping up to the challenge. He's, he's hitting big shots. He's knocking down shots when he needs to. So 33 points against Penn. We needed every single one of them as that game went into double overtime. Final score from the Myrtle Beach Invitational is 87-79 for the Aggies. Um, other notable scorers, because behind Justin Bean, quite frankly, was a really balanced attack coming from the starters. All the starters were contributing quite a bit, and uh, frankly, nobody else really was. It was, it was really a starter-heavy game. Um, the only guys to score off the bench were Trevin Dorius with two, Steve Nashworth with three. So 82 of Utah State's 87 points coming from the starting lineup. Uh, Brandon Horvath, Justin Bean, RJ Idlerock, Ryland Jones, Brock Miller. Um, Brandon Horvath with 14, Justin Bean with his 33, Ryland Jones 21, RJ with 3, and then Brock Miller with 11 points. So uh, the other notable scorers there being Brandon Horvath and Ryland Jones. Ryland Jones is 
not just in this game, but at, at the end of the tournament, looking back at the whole thing, he's really starting to settle into this offense and really starting to command the offense. You'll see it as we look into the numbers uh, against New Mexico State. But Ryland Jones, his offensive production is through the roof right now. I think um, it's really starting to settle in. I think that's how it is designed to be, and that's how it will be. I've been saying for a while that he's probably going to end up being the primary scorer. Um, that being said, Justin Bean keeps doing what whatever he is doing to score 30 points so i've said for a while that justin bean probably isn't going to score that much because rylan jones is going to settle into his offense and the truth is maybe both guys are going to go off and score a ton of points and that's how we're going to beat teams by scoring almost 90 points so um the points are are coming certainly um they're coming from different places each night night in night out um, and they're maybe coming from somewhere you didn't expect. They're coming from somewhere that I didn't fully anticipate. We all knew Justin Bean would be a centerpiece on this team. Um, but I think most of us thought it would be primarily in a leadership role, you know, in the locker room, on the bench, keeping things tight, keeping things smooth. And then, of course, on the defensive side of the ball, rebounding, hustle plays, all that. But being a leader on offense has really helped this team um, a lot as we have only lost one game so far in the season uh, that being said Ryland Jones is a sniper from deep he's a really good offensive player and that dude's going to continue to settle in and I think he's going to have the offense run through him more um, when Brock Miller is hot there's nobody better when when he's hot uh, particularly on that catch and shoot um, and RJ Adderock, I think we're still kind of waiting on him to settle in and Brandon Horvath we've already seen what he can do so um, lots of weapons but when Justin Bean is there he is really, really good, and it helps the the whole team uh, for them to settle in. So, at any rate, Justin Bean coming in with 33 points. The other notable scores, Brandon Horvath and Ryland Jones. And like I said, that's probably how it's going to be at the top one, two, three, four majority of the season, um, particularly as Ryland Jones, the point guard, um, kind of settles into the offense and becomes more of a floor general. I think he, we're going to see a similar thing with rylan jones that we saw with logan bonner at the beginning of the season it wasn't necessarily that he was slow or that he was bad at all uh, logan bonner's been great all year um, but as he settled into his offense he was able to find more weapons and utilize different guys differently rylan jones is going to be i think that same guy i think we're going to see his assist numbers go up we're going to see his points go up and everything as he takes ownership of this offense and and if you need proof of that, look no further than the New Mexico State game. Uh, New Mexico State was unbeaten when we got to them. And they played and beat a pretty tough Davidson team the round before. And it was it was a close game at first. Davidson's a good team. But towards the end of the game, New Mexico State just ran away with it. New Mexico State, as many of us remember... It's a really good basketball school. They always have good basketball teams. They gave us a lot of problems back in our whack days um, with Ty Wesley and Tyler Newbold, uh, J.C. Carroll, Brian Green, all those guys. New Mexico State gave those guys a lot of trouble. So to be able to beat New Mexico State like this is huge. It was really, really fun. Um, but New Mexico State's a good team. They're a team that isn't going to lose 58-85 to 85 very often. So Utah State comes in, second round, playing the New Mexico State Aggies for second time this season, I guess, as a, as a program versus program standpoint. Um, Utah State football took care of business against New Mexico State just a couple weeks ago in a big way. And now Utah State basketball doing the same thing. So 
85-58 for Utah State. And where do the points come from? Well, I just told you about Ryland Jones. Ryland Jones scored 19 in what was another balanced attack from the starters. Of course, when you're going to score 85 points on a team that doesn't even reach 60, you're going to get scoring from everywhere. So towards the end of the game, Ryan Odom kind of went pretty deep into his bench and let a lot of guys get some time. But in that first half and in those valuable minutes, the non-garbage time minutes, Ryland Jones was the guy. Um, but Justin Bean, Brandon Horvath, those guys were not outdone by a large margin. So Ryland Jones ends up with 19 points. He also has two steals, four assists, four rebounds, and was five of six from the three-point line. Ryland Jones was automatic this game, and this is the Ryland Jones that I think we're going to be used to. I think Ryland Jones, he is one of those guys, when you watch this guy, all of his effort isn't necessarily seen in the numbers. And I know his numbers are impressive, but watching the guy is even more impressive. He is constantly taking charges. He's on his back more than he's on his feet, it seems like, at times, because he's just so willing to go after loose balls, sacrifice his body for this team. In the championship game, we'll talk about in a minute, but he laid out for this ball, took a hard, hard hit to the scores table, busted up the, the LED screen they have underneath that running advertisements. Um, he busted that with his back and his shoulder, and he just spent you know, no more than a minute and a half on the ground probably. The medical staff and the trainers came out and looked at him, gave him the green light, and the dude's back in the game uh, and tearing it up. I mean, this guy works so hard. Um, so you're, the things you're not going to see in the stats are his his screens, his movement off ball, his, his charges that he's constantly taking. He's getting their guys in foul trouble. He's taking away easy shots at the rim, and he's just, he's just a guard, you know, and for him to have that big of an impact um, all around the court, but particularly inside, is huge because we're, you know, there's a Nemeus Kata sized hole in the post. And so for our guards, you know, particularly a smaller sized guard to get in there and cause problems for uh, for their guards driving or for their bigs, um, trying to muscle the way to the hoop is huge. So Ryland Jones, his numbers are fantastic, but that's only part of the story. Um, he's the leading scorer against New Mexico State. In that win, 85-58. Uh, right behind him, Justin Bean with 17. And then Brandon Horvath with 12. So a solid performance out of those uh, that trio of kind of the top scorers that we're going to see. RJ Idlerock also put up 6 points. Brock Miller got 9. And then getting into the bench, just about everybody played. Um, so we won't get too, too much into those numbers. Uh, Max Scholga with 11. He came off the bench and was just... Uh, really hot, really looking to to score some points. He looked really, really good. Uh, Stephen Ashworth had three. And one notable thing about this team, and when people ask me why I want my team shooting so many threes and so many layups too, um, Utah State took 29 threes in this game. Um, that's something that you just did not see in the Coach Smith era. Um, they hit 14 threes, which is definitely something you didn't see a lot in the Coach Smith era, which is really sad because during the Coach Smith era, we had this guy named Sam Merrill, not sure if you remember him, uh, NBA-level sharpshooter, and if if we could have facilitated the amount of three-pointers that Ryan Odom is for Sam Merrill, it would have been, been really fun to watch. But um, and, and that's not so much a complaint on the previous coaching staff and Coach Smith uh, as much as it is uh, praise for the current coaching staff. I really like Ryan Odom. I really like what he's doing. And anytime you can score... 85, 87, 85 points in three games in a row against Richmond, Penn, and New Mexico State. I like what you're doing on offense. I like whatever you can do to score 
85 plus in three consecutive games. So big time game from Utah State against New Mexico State. And especially coming in, it was the very next day off a double overtime game. So for them to come out and have the energy that they did uh, was really impressive. And I think that speaks to not only the leadership from Coach Odom, but the leadership of Brock Miller, Justin Bean. Um, those guys, I think, are doing a really good job of helping this team take care of their bodies and be in the right headspace to go out and compete day in, day out. Uh, they got a day off on Saturday. And on Saturday, we played our football game. Didn't go so well. We'll get to it later. Sunday, we're back in action against OU. Uh, this is a game that most people just kind of wrote us off. They, I think, looked at the name brand of the two schools. Oklahoma's a big name, and they're Big 12, and they just kind of figured, oh, Utah State's going to gonna get beat pretty badly. Not so. Utah State wins 73-70 to 70 in another thriller. Utah State getting back into the habit of giving me a heart attack every time they play, but at least they get the win. Utah State controlled the pace really, really well in the first half. In the second half, Oklahoma ran away with it, or not necessarily ran away with it, but definitely took over the game. Um, the lead fluctuation was not drastic at all. Utah State led by as many as five. Oklahoma led by as many as seven. So not a huge um, differential there. Both teams stayed really close to each other. It was, it was a pretty tight game all in all. Um, but Utah State didn't lead in the second half other than when they started with the lead because they took a two-point lead into halftime and then till the very end, under two minutes when Brock Miller took the lead for them. So um, the first half they dominated. Second half, Oklahoma came out and kind of took a six to two point lead fluctuating in there for a majority of the second half. Um, but when the clock hit triple zeros, Utah state had the three point advantage and that's how basketball works. Utah state gets the win. Justin Bean was your leading scorer with 24 points and a career high of 19 rebounds. Anyone who can get 19 rebounds in a college game is a really, really good basketball player. And as impressive as that is, I was almost surprised that he hadn't done it before. Um, but that is a career high. So 19 rebounds, 24 points for the man, Justin Bean, the double-double machine. He also picked up two steals, three assists. Um, to get 19 rebounds and two steals and then only pick up one personal foul, that is really, really impressive basketball. That's high IQ basketball. That's veteran basketball. Most basketball players out there, if they're getting 19 rebounds, if they're getting two steals, they're going to pick up more than a single foul. Um, so really impressive by Justin Bean. Um, not just what he's doing physically, but also what he's doing off the court, out of the gym. He's clearly studying the game. He's clearly having very high-level conversations with Ryan Odom, who we know to have a great basketball mind. He was raised by a coach. He was raised in the game of basketball. So Ryan Odom and Justin Bean clearly doing something to help Justin Bean play at a really, really high level, both physically and mentally. One foul for his 19 rebounds, two steals. Um, Brandon Horvath was right there, so was Brock Miller. Brock Miller had a huge game. We'll talk about him a little bit more. Brandon Horvath with 13 points. Brandon Horvath finding himself consistently in the top three scorers. Um, a lot of times one and two, right? Right up there at the top. Brandon Horvath is really, really good, and part of it is his ability to shoot the three. He was one for four on the night in the championship game against Oklahoma. Um, he was also six of six from the free throw line. Uh, free throw shooting has been huge for this Ryan Odom team. Um, Brandon Horvath also picks up three rebounds, two assists, and a steal. Uh, now let's talk Brock Miller. Brock Miller went off. He scored a season high of 16 points. He was so good in this game 
everyone was speaking praises uh, to Brock Miller after the game in the in the press conference. He hit some big shots when they needed to. Utah State was down two with uh, just under a minute and a half to go. Brock Miller hits a big catch and shoot three. Aggies take the lead by one. Moments later, Brock Miller hits another three to extend the lead to what was at the time 70 to 66. Utah State would not relinquish that lead. They would lead for the remainder of the game, the last minute and a half, and they would win the game. Um, thanks in part, in, in large part, to Brock Miller stepping up when he needed to, hitting two big catch and shoot threes when he needed to. He hit four threes on the night to end up with 16 points along with two free throws and a layup that actually came in a big moment as well. So Brock Miller, this is what we've been talking about with Brock Miller. He has been so involved in every game so far, but his shooting has been, you know, slightly off. That's what happens to shooters. Shooters shoot, and sometimes it goes in, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you have bad nights, sometimes you have good nights. This is what we're talking about with Brock Miller. He's a reliable guy. He can score 16 points, and he can do it on five shots from the field. Um, those four shots, those big catch and shoot quick shots were worth 12 points and they came in the blink of an eye. That's the value of Brock Miller. He is so good at what he does when he is just a catch and shoot guy and you see him standing in the corner a lot. Well, because that's what he does. Um, I know a lot of people complain about him not moving. Well, Justin Bean's moving. Ryland Jones is moving. Brandon Horvath has a huge frame and he's moving. Everybody else is moving. Brock Miller's job on offense is to stand in the corner and if the ball gets to him, he, he knocks down a three. That's what he does. That's what he did tonight and that's a big reason of why we won. So Brock Miller stepping up, doing his job, doing it to perfection and boosting the Aggies over Oklahoma to win the game. Um, Brock Miller definitely was the MVP of the last two minutes. It was definitely a team effort though. In the three games of the tournament, Justin Bean is your tournament MVP. And how could he not be? Justin Bean averaged 24.7 points and 14 rebounds throughout the tournament. He was playing on another level. He was so good. Hopefully he can continue that throughout the season and uh, particularly into conference play when we're going to need it. Um, because when he can play like that, it really opens up the floor for other guys. And... It, it's a perfect combination because when he doesn't play like that, it means other guys I other guys can. And when he does play like that, it means other guys don't have to. So Justin Bean uh, has been definitely the centerpiece of this team and probably will continue to be. Um, and th this this team is just really, really good. I, I try to tell you guys not to worry. And, I mean, look at us now. So Utah State, 4-1 and one after just the one devastating loss that we should have won. But you know what? We we're going to drop one at some point, may as well be at the beginning of the season. So 4-1 and one overall after a pretty tough road trip, uh, four-game winning streak. And those games, that tournament is going to be huge when we get to March. Um, to be able to win three games in four days um, and to have a double overtime game in there, to have um, good teams like New Mexico State, which actually is a team that has some respect on the national level. To be able to beat Oklahoma, a Big 12 team, a Power 5 team, is huge. Like I said, four games in three days is huge. It's at a neutral site. It's not at home. We're not winning home games. They're not technically listed as road games, but they're neutral site games. Those games are what the committee is going to look for. So for us to be able to go in three games in a row, coming off of winning against Richmond, by the way, who's a good team in the A-10, um, to be able to beat Penn and New Mexico, state new mexico state back-to-back -back nights one day off and then beat oklahoma a power five team at a neutral site in a tournament setting 
championships speak for themselves. So th this tournament was huge for Utah State. It was a great opportunity for them to go out and and boost their resume a little bit, help the committee and, and hopefully the fans too overlook that UC Davis loss and also just to get some confidence. I mean, Ryland Jones, Brock Miller, um, Justin Mean, those guys have to be feeling really, really good coming in, coming back home after such a successful road trip. Um, coming home, we have UT Arlington, a team that's one and four. We get them back in the spectrum. Uh, I'll tell you one thing, Ryland Jones, Justin Bean, Ryan Odom, those guys do not want to lose another game in the spectrum. They're going to do everything they can to make sure they don't. Um, so the next two games are at home, UT Arlington and then Carroll College. Um, so two smaller schools that you may have heard of, may have not. Uh, we should be able to beat those teams. And like I said, we, we might not look at 500 again. I think 500 is well behind us. I think the last time we saw 500 was after the Richmond game. And the last time we were close to 500 would be after Penn and New Mexico State. I think we are, are well beyond that. I think we're going to win some games, get some wins under the belt, and and continue to roll on into um, some tougher games and then eventually into conference games. After those two easy games, we have St. Mary's at home, tough one. We have BYU on the road, tough one. Uh, later on, we have Weber State. They're tough. They're a tough team. They're really good. Um, they're they're undefeated right now. They're 5-0. and uh, and then we have Iowa, another Power 5 team. And then right after that, we have Portland State and then kicking right off into, into conference play. So uh, hopefully Utah State can just continue to improve game in, game out against the you know the inferior teams they should be beating and uh, put, put 500 well beyond um, that rearview mirror and continue to win games preparing for um, the, the, the bulk of the season. So with that, with all the good out of the way, let's talk about the bad. Utah State football drops a game to Wyoming. Um, this is a game that I, I overlooked Wyoming. I'll, I'll be I'll be the first to admit when I was wrong because I, I always talk about when I'm right. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna always brag about when I'm right, I'll admit when I'm wrong. Wyoming was uh, was probably a trap game that I overlooked and by the look of the score, Looks like some uh, some of the coaching staff and the players may have overlooked it as well. So there you go. I was wrong about Wyoming. They are clearly a lot better than I thought they were. And quite frankly, I don't know what's going on with Wyoming. The Wyoming team that we saw, and I'm not saying this just because they beat us, but the Wyoming team that we saw should not be 2-5 and five in the conference. There's no way. They just scored... 44 points on a team that I consider to be one of the top defenses in the in the conference. So this Wyoming team has been kind of hit or miss. You know, we've talked about them early on in the season, starting the season 4-0, and then falling apart once they get to conference play, losing four straight before beating Colorado State and then losing to Boise State and then beating us. So a wild team for Wyoming, a wild ride for them so far, a wild year for them. And you know what? They got the win. They were really hungry coming into this game. I think they were upset. I think they were angry. I think they felt like we owed them the rifle from last year. If you remember last year, we did not play against Wyoming. It was a COVID issue, um, which prevented the game from happening. And quite frankly, last year was a year that Wyoming would have beat us. They would have beat us bad. And to be honest with you, I think they felt like the rifle was rightfully theirs. They came out to go get what was theirs, and uh, they just played harder than Utah State start to finish. They just did. Um, well, let's look at some of the numbers, but, I mean, there's there's really no sugarcoating this. It's It was a tough loss from Utah State, but at the same time, like, I, I don't want to – 
I also don't want to make it into something it's not. Utah State's had an unbelievable season so far. Utah State is still more than likely to play in the championship game for the Mountain West. So, yeah, it's it's a tough loss to the Cowboys, but it's it's just a tough loss to the Cowboys. It's nothing more than that. So I don't want to sugarcoat it and sound like the homer that I am, but I also don't want to uh, be a doomsdayer and talk about how the world is over because we lost to a team that historically has been pretty all right. So uh, let's look at some of the numbers. Uh, I think that's going to be uh, what we're going to focus on today because uh, I think it's an emotionally charged game, and I, I don't want to get into that because, like I said, I'm I'm pretty okay with with where the football team is right now. Um, eight wins right now. I uh, you know no one expected us to get to eight wins, so eight wins and bowl eligible is all right with me. Um, so let's let's uh, take a look at the numbers. Forty four to seventeen for Utah State. No sugarcoating it. Bad game. That's not what you want to see on the scoreboard when the clock hits triple zeros against Wyoming at home on senior night. It's a tough one. It is. Open up the game. Wyoming scores on their second drive. We've talked about this. We've talked about this all year long. Um, Utah State has has a tendency to give up big plays early, and that's what they did. Utah State uh, gives up a, a touchdown on the second drive of the game for Wyoming. They ended up scoring 14 in the first quarter. Um, to be fair, Utah State scored 14 of their own in the first quarter. Um, Utah State got almost all of their scoring done out of the way in the first quarter. We've talked about how in some of these games, we just front load the opponent's scoring, give them all the points they're going to get right up in the first quarter and then shut them down. Well, that's kind of what Wyoming did to us. We scored 14 in the first quarter, kicked the field goal in the second, and then we were done. We didn't, we didn't score at all in the second half. So that right there is a huge problem. A second half team that doesn't score in the second half, you're going to lose a football game. That's a great way to lose a football game. If you're a second half team, that's not going to score in the second half. So, um, Utah State goes out, gives up 14 points, scores 14 points in the first quarter. After that, it was just Wyoming's day. Uh, Wyoming scored 10 in the second quarter, 17 in the third quarter, and then by the end of the game, they were kind of in cruise control and still scored a field goal in the fourth quarter, but we're not really trying at that point. Um, Utah State, 14 in the first quarter, 3 in the second quarter, nothing the rest of the game. Logan Bonner was 19 of 40 with 181 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, both of them coming in the first quarter, one to Devin Tompkins, one to Brandon Bowling. Uh, on the ground, Calvin Tyler Jr. was back, looked to be in his in his full form. He was he was looking great. I mean, for all the bad that we want to talk about, I mean, Calvin Tyler Jr. looked great. Devin Tompkins still looked good. I mean, there were still there were still positives in this game, uh, at least in the first quarter. Um, but Calvin Tyler Jr. 18 carries, 109 yards. Um, Logan Bonner on his feet probably more than he would want to be more than I would want him to be. He ran the ball six times, picked up 46 yards though. So um, not bad on a couple scrambles for uh, the gunslinger uh, six carries, 46 yards. Elian Noah, the only other rusher on the stat sheet. He also ran the ball six times for 45 yards. So Logan Bonner ran the same amount of times and picked up another yard than El- Elian Noah. That's the kind of thing that you can't really have going forward. You're going to need your running backs to move the ball when they get the ball. And El- Elian Noah has been so good at that all year, especially in those games where Calvin Tyler Jr. was hurt and Noah had a chance to be the number one running back. He had a chance to really show what he can do. So just kind of an off night for Noah, something like that. But, um, Calvin Tyler Jr., 109 yards, 
uh, is great. Everything else, uh, not so not so great on the ground. Uh, the team ended up with 181 yards on the ground. In the air, Devin Tompkins, of course, at the top of the leaderboard. He caught the ball five times for 67 yards. So a rare game, a rare occurrence for Devin Tompkins where he doesn't get 100 yards in a game. Uh, he did get a touchdown, though, and his longest reception was 41 yards. So still a dazzling performance by Devin Tompkins. His touchdown catch was unbelievable. Um you just got to go watch the highlight. You got to go track down a highlight of that because it was so good. Brandon Bowling, six receptions, 60 yards, and a touchdown. Devin Wright. Derek Wright, three receptions, 30 yards. Justin McGriff, one reception for 17 yards. Calvin Tyler Jr. caught the ball twice in the air for four yards. And Kyle Van Leeuwen got in the, got in the game. He caught the ball twice for three yards total. So 181 yards receiving as well. So... There you have that balanced attack again that you've seen so much from this offense. Um, this one, even more balanced than even the most balanced games we've had so far. 181 yards on the ground, 181 yards in the air. Literally cannot get more balanced than that. Um, and and it just doesn't work out in the end. You know, um, 181 yards in the air and on the ground isn't all that bad. Um, it's not amazing necessarily i mean wyoming had 362 yards on the ground 242 yards in the air um so definitely outdoing us on on both fronts um but just just a tough game for utah state just one of those that um just didn't go our way i mean we talked about it with basketball against uc davis game one there's games just don't go your way sometimes and so uh for utah state even to be in this position uh, I think is still fine. There's a lot of positives, and you know what? Frankly, Utah State was was bound to lose three games this year. That's not out of the out of the question. I know we got uh, really excited about winning out, beating Wyoming, beating New Mexico, and having a chance to host the Mountain West Championship game. But you know what? A three loss season is is not that bad. We still have a chance to get to ten wins on the season. Um, we have eight right now. We still have. One regular season game, possibly a championship game and a bowl game. So there's still a chance to get to 10 wins. I mean, this season is still really, really a good season. Um, just a tough game against Wyoming. Did not go our way at all. Uh, a lot of it was defensively. Um, Wyoming able to move the ball clearly, as we as we talked about, with 362 yards on the ground, 242 in the air, uh, and 44 points. That's, that's huge for Wyoming to be able to come into Logan and, and put up those kind of numbers. So... Um, that's just what happens. So let's talk championship game because we no longer control our own destiny as we have for most of the season. It's a great feeling to control your own destiny and be in the driver's seat. Uh, that's just not our situation anymore, unfortunately. However, it is still more likely than not that Utah State gets a chance to play in the Mountain West Championship game. If Utah State beats New Mexico... They're going to need help, but not a lot of it. All that needs to happen if Utah State beats New Mexico is San Diego State needs to beat Boise State in their game this weekend. Now, if San Diego State loses to Boise State, they will face them again in the Mountain West Championship game. So, here's where it gets interesting, because Boise State has a division title on the line, so you know they're going to be playing hard. But San Diego State also has the unique situation 
this doesn't happen very often, but San Diego State is in this situation where they basically get to control their opponent in the championship game. If they lose to Boise, they have to play them again. And Boise's a good team. I mean, it's unbelievable that Boise has this conference so firm in their grasp that we're legitimately talking about a four-loss Boise State Broncos team playing in the division title game, but but here we are. It's the Boise State Broncos, and that's just what they do. It's frustrating for sure, but you know here here we are. But if San Diego State wins against Boise State, they get to play us. And if I'm San Diego State and I'm just and I'm watching film of Utah State Wyoming, I'd really want to play Utah State. And even outside of that, I'm I'm a homer. I'm optimistic about Utah State. I tend to think Utah State's better than we are. I tend to think we're more respected than we are. So that being said, I think if you just look on paper at Utah State and Boise State, their recent and not-so-recent past in championship games and in football, Boise State has a history of playing in and winning championship games. Utah State doesn't. Utah State's only played in one championship game. We haven't won any. So if you're San Diego State and you have the chance to choose your opponent, I think they would rather play Utah State. Now, of course, they're never going to throw a game just to decide their opponent. But I think they're going to go out with the idea of winning that game, not only because they want to win every game, but also because I don't think they want to play Boise State twice. Now, I don't think they would ever admit that. I don't think the coaching staff would admit to looking forward into the schedule. I don't think the players would uh, would admit to that either. But I think the coaching staff at San Diego State is very aware of, of what they're doing. And I think they would much rather beat Boise State and host Utah State in San Diego in the Mountain West Championship game then lose to Boise State. And at that point, I actually don't know where that game would be played. Might be in Boise, but to have to play the Broncos again, basically in two back-to-back games. There's no way the Aztecs want that. The Aztec defense is good, but Hank Bachmeyer has been in the Boise State program for years at this point, and he's an elite quarterback. Boise State's playing really good football right now. San Diego State does not want to play them twice. No one no one would want to play them twice. So I think Utah State can get bailed out. And and at the end of the day, San Diego State's a better team, too. I mean, San Diego State is favored to win that game. So all we need is for the, the games this weekend to run chalk. Utah State's favored to win in New Mexico. San Diego State's favored to beat Boise. And there you have it. Utah State playing San Diego State in San Diego for the title game. If everything runs chalk, Utah State's back in this. It's frustrating. It's painful that we're no longer in the driver's seat. Blake Anderson talked about it. He likes being in the driver's seat. It hurts that we're not. It sucks to lose on senior night. Sucks to lose at home. Interesting that all three of our losses so far in the season have come at home. We're undefeated on the road. That doesn't happen very often. I don't think it's happened ever at Utah State where we have three losses at home, undefeated on the road. Um, But here we are. It's been a great season so far. It's going to continue to be a great season. We still have, no matter what, one last regular season game against New Mexico. Hopefully, and still pretty likely, a championship game and a bowl game, no matter what. At this point, we are bowl eligible. We're going to get a bowl game. So, huge season for Utah State. Huge season for first-year coach Blake Anderson. Um, We'll talk more about the season as we get into the final games, championship games, bowl games. We kind of review the season and how we got here, but... um, 
yeah, tough loss to Wyoming, but hey, a ton of football ahead. Still a bright future for Utah State and in the middle of a great, great season. So that's kind of where we're at in football. Certainly not where we want to be. No longer in the driver's seat, but we don't need that much help. Let's take a look at the Mountain West scoreboard this upcoming week. So we have Fresno, San Jose State. We have Utah State, New Mexico. And then we have the other big one, Boise State and San Diego. That's a game that really matters for Utah State. Obviously, we're rooting hard for the Aztecs. And then we have UNLV and Air Force. We have Hawaii playing Wyoming. And then we have Nevada, Colorado State. Tons of fun games next week. Uh, the two that matter, obviously Utah State's own. You've got to win that. If Utah State loses, no championship game for the Aggies. Um, if Utah State wins and we get some help from the Aztecs, Utah State's back in this and we'll be playing in championship week in San Diego. So hopefully the cards can fall in favor of Utah State. But even outside of those two games, we have a ton of good football going on in the conference. Um, tons of fun stuff going on there. And then let's also run through the scoreboard in basketball. It was a big weekend, not only for Utah State basketball, but for basketball around the conference. We'll just run through some of the notable games that just happened and, and some of the games coming up. The Boise State Broncos were just down the road from Utah State. Uh, Utah State was playing in the Myrtle Beach Invitational. Boise State was just down the road playing in the Shriners Children's Charleston Classic. They lost to St. Bonaventure their first game. They lost by just six points that same day. That was on Thursday that same day. Uh, San Diego State beat Arizona State. That's a big one. And Wyoming beat Washington. So two Pac-12 victories for the Mountain West. We keep stacking up those Pac-12 victories. Um, so that's always fun. Uh, Friday, when Utah State beat New Mexico State, Boise State went out and beat Temple. And UNLV played... Michigan, who at the time was ranked fourth in the country, they got beat. Uh, Saturday, we had uh, another ranked matchup for this time San Jose State. They played Texas. They lost. Texas was eight at the time. Moving on to Sunday. Sunday was actually a really big day for the conference. Um, Utah State obviously beating OU. Boise State beat Ole Miss 60-50. to And then Colorado State beating Creighton 95-81. to And then UNLV in a game against Wichita State. Just falling short, losing by 174 to 73. Would have been a great game if UNLV could have got the win against Wichita. So great week for college hoops in the Mountain West and certainly plenty more to come. So that's all we have for you today on the show. We'll be back Thursday. We'll be covering um, some of the some of the basketball games that happen from here to then. And we'll, of course, be diving deep into that New Mexico game for Utah State football, we'll be looking at that, what we need to do to win that game, finish the season strong, what it means if we do, and what else we need to happen. Um, so it's going to be a great show on Thursday. Hope to have you back. Thanks for tuning in, and go Aggies.